Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Grant and Danny welcoming you back on the fan. Beltway Blitz coming up. Caps, Wiz, Commanders right here on GND. Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad. They are the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys by visiting kmlawyers.com. You got to mention us to get a discount, kmlawyers.com. Nate Bargatze is at the Capital One Arena. He is going to be crushing it. Will you be there? You're going to find out right now. Caller number 10, 800-636-1067. Congrats, you're winning two tickets. It's the Be Funny Tour. Show is in nine days on the 22nd. At Cap One, tickets are on sale now. For tickets and more event information, go to thefandc.com slash events, courtesy of Monumental Sports. Should be a very funny show. He is great, and he also has not asked me to open for him. I think he's probably got some uh, some pretty qualified professionals opening that show on Did his tour. Did you think he was asking you? No, I was oh. kidding, of course. He wouldn't ask me in a million years. Do you, I mean, you know him a little bit. Yeah, we did a couple shows together years ago. Wouldn't but- that be great? You just get a call on your phone last night, and he's like, hey, Danny, it's Nate. And you're like, Nate who? And he's like, you know, Nate B. We Nate Bargates, according to the radio guy. Right. You want to open for me at Cap One Arena? I would like that, Nate. I'll be there, buddy. You can count on it. Capital One Arena is not my favorite venue for comedy. However, because all the big guys now play stadiums, yeah. it's where I've seen some of my favorite comedians. You know, I, I like the smaller, more quaint venues, but good luck seeing Nate at DAR Constitution Hall again or yeah. something like you, that. You can't anymore. When you, you get that big, you get 20,000 people to show up. It's amazing. All right, let's kick off the Beltway Blitz with the birthday boy. There he is. Steve Wino, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. You know him as Swino. Uh, Swino, what are we doing for the big B-Day tonight, buddy? We're recovering the capital of the avalanche, my friend. That's not going to butter your bread. Are you going out after? Are we going to have a little brewski? You, you, you know it. You, you, you've, you've known me for a few years. Yeah, that means he's going to be enjoying himself in Chinatown for a couple Good of hours you, Swino. after the game. Uh, Alex Ovechkin's back, but is he big back? He's back, and, and and look, this is five goals in five games, so it's we're not saying he's back on track fully to, to break Wayne Gretzky's record, but he's certainly closer than he was a couple of weeks ago, and, and not only the goals, but he's got 16 points in his last 15 games. He's doing a lot of things right beyond just shooting the puck well, and some of the luck that was going against him earlier in the year that was costing him goals is starting to come back to him now, and we're starting to see the production that, that we were kind of expecting, obviously expecting to see from Alex Ovechkin earlier in the season. 
So dare I say, am I allowed? I, I feel a little bit encouraged, and my voice is going up a lot here, Swino, by their couple of recent games. I know they lost an OT to Vancouver, but I think they actually played pretty well. Dare I say corner turned? Yeah, it, 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 there's, there's a good chance of that. The problem, Danny, is, is that they've been playing one of the hardest schedules in hockey. I mean, you, you're, 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 tonight it's Colorado, but it was Florida. It was Boston. It was Vancouver. Uh, Dallas before that. These are they're some of the best teams in the NHL. And, yeah, the Capitals have been playing better lately. I Certainly, I, I don't know what the connection is. It was not having Evgeny Kuznetsov for this stretch, having Alex Ovechkin producing a little bit more, having maybe a little more solid goaltending than they've had for, for the previous month before that. But, yeah, we're, we're starting to see a little bit more of the solid play. Now, can they sustain that through the second half of the season when the schedule's still maybe not this difficult, but, but stays tough? Remains to be seen. Yeah, Avalanche in town today, 7 o'clock buck drop, three hours from now at Cap One Arena. They're really good, 32-17-4. I think Nate McKinnon is still scoring goals against the Capitals from the last time these two teams played. You mentioned the koozie factor. I'd be remiss if I didn't double-click on that. They're playing better since he's not been on the ice, no? Yeah, and I think, I think Grant, there's a little bit of a Patrick Ewing effect going on there. And, and, and Capitals did this a little bit when Alex Ovechkin was hurt early in the season. But I think a much bigger element of it was Evgeny Kuznetsov because he has not been producing nearly at the level that, that, that the Capitals need him to produce at for the, the, the amount of money they pay him and the expectations they put on him. And then you, you take him out of the lineup and everybody else around him, whether not just the centers, but, but all the forwards and the defensemen, feel like they need to do a little bit more. And, and it's no secret the Capitals have struggled to score this season. Over the last five games without Sebastian scoring like this, they've gone from 2.3 goals a game before that to 3.6 goals a game scoring, which is a, a major change. And that's without Evgeny Kuznetsov being a part of it. And if they can get some of the kind of the defensive structures and the turnovers under control, those numbers are going to balance out a little bit better. Hang on. Are you saying they're averaging 3.6? since Kuzi was not playing or just in this five-game stretch? During this five-game stretch, they're averaging nearly four goals a game, 3.6, yes. Wow. Who else needs to step up a little bit? I, I've, you know, I, I, every time I see Connor McMichael on the ice, I feel like he's dangerous, but the point totals kind of belie that, right? I, I feel like there's a couple of guys that could really, they could use a little bit more from, whether it's Protoss, McMichael, maybe even Sandine at the point creating some things. Who could they use a bit more from here that we're not really thinking about? You know, you, you, you name the big guys, and Connor McMichael and Alexi Protus were the guys driving play for the first month and a half and change of the season. And, and they're, they're still making some difference. They're just not finishing a, a lot of these chances in the way that a, a team that's struggling to score goals needs them to finish. And, and we know a lot of the, the, the regular characters on this team, the T.J. Oshie, Tom Wilson. These guys are, are the solid players that the Capitals are kind of counting on every night. But when you're talking about now maybe a, a, a month away from the trade deadline, a little bit less than a month away from the trade deadline, Anthony Mantha's value could be increasing. I think we've seen a lot out of Nick Dowd. But some of these defensemen, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Nick Jensen, uh, the, the, the players who were playing big roles earlier in the year, even Ethan Bear, who struggled a lot since his first good four or five games with this team. The Capitals need to see a lot more out of a lot of these guys, actually. So how do they handle the trade deadline? Barry Faluga wrote a really good piece in the post about trying to both appease Ovechkin, keep the door open in the future, but also maybe not uh, completely punt on this season. Like, how do they thread that needle? It's an interesting spot they're in, especially for the, the, the appeasing Ovechkin part, because last year a lot of what, what Brian McClellan did was selling at the deadline, but he also took, took that trade, Garnet Hathaway and Dimitri Orlov to Boston for a first-round pick, flipped that first-round pick to get Rasmus Sandin. I can see something similar to that happening this year where – 
not necessarily where you're trading Anthony Mantha, Nick Dowd, and these sort of guys directly for kind of those younger players. But I think you could turn a lot of those guys into picks and then turn those picks into younger players, into prospects who are on the verge of making it to the NHL. Because when you still want to kind of keep this window open for Alex Ovechkin, for this team to be a playoff contender for the next two seasons, maybe three seasons, there, there are certain players out there in the age group the Capitals are targeting. And that was Sonny Milano and, and Dylan Strome when they got him in free agency and Rasmus Sandin by trade, that if you're going to be able to get players from the, that 21 to 26, 27 age group who, who maybe don't fit into other teams' long-term plans, those are the kind of players I think the Capitals are targeting. But there's certainly going to be probably more, certainly more selling than buying going on if the struggles here continue. Swano, thank you, buddy. 22 is a big age. Make good decisions, okay, pal? Thanks, boys. Talk to you soon. We'll see you, man. Hit that wizard sounder, please. Our pal Chase Hughes covers those wizards. Who's going to talk about those wizards? Chase, February, unkind to Jordan Poole. What's going on? Yeah, he's had some of his uh, toughest scoring nights of the season, and he happens to have gotten in foul trouble last night and the other day where he went scoreless for the first time in three years. And I think what's going on with him is obviously he's had a, a bit of a tough season adjusting to a new role being higher on the scouting report. But I think lately with interim head coach Brian Keith taking over and there being more of an emphasis on the defensive end and you know, sharing the basketball. I think he's trying to change uh, the way he pl- he's played this season a little bit on the fly. And I think that's um, what you're kind of seeing the product of, is him kind of go- going through an adjustment period. And certainly the shots haven't been falling lately, but I think he's trying to focus on the defensive end and give the Wizards more uh, in that area and sort of think about his offense secondarily. Which makes sense, I guess. But, man, I mean, one of 12 last night, three points. And I think he's averaging eight points a game this month. Like, this has been disastrous offensively. It has been. I mean, there's no question. One for 12 is not great. And, you know, Brian Keith has had a much more fluid rotation since he took over. And as you saw last night, you know, Jordan Poole checked in, uh, I think, in the final minute. But, you know, he's going to roll with the hot hand. uh, And he's going to roll with his bench if that's uh, what's working well. So, Jordan Poole, I I think – you know, in the context of everything, it's it's still, uh, you know, not a full season that he's gone through this transition and, and struggled to the degree that he has. But um, certainly it continues to be an adjustment period for him as, as he works um, his way into being comfortable with um, just being a much bigger focus of the opposing defense. Chase, we've talked a lot about Denny Avdia over the years. I still don't quite know what his role is going to be settling in on a contender or, or a really good team. I just know I like watching him play basketball. When he's aggressive like he was last night, it's just fun watching him sort of barrel towards the rim. He's clearly put on strength. I thought you wrote a good story about that uh, not too long ago. But his growth, his role, the future of Denny Avdia is? I think we're seeing glimpses of it now, which is a guy who has the ball in his hands a lot more often and who is really, really good, especially in the open court in transition. Uh, The Wizards lately have been able to work him a a little bit more in the post, and he's very, very comfortable there. You know, we haven't seen it much throughout his career, but I remember his his rookie year, I was talking to someone who was very familiar with his game in Europe and, and said that that was a huge thing that he did and Maccabi Tel Aviv was basically run the offense out of the post. So I think we're seeing more and more layers. The Wizards being near the top of the league in pace and having a lot more possessions to go around and basically giving everyone the green light to take the ball off the rim defensively uh, and take it up the floor. All that stuff has worked really well for him. 
And the rebounding has just been great lately because the Wizards are uh, a team that struggles rebounding the ball. And the more he can do that now, a couple games in a row, double-figure rebounding, the the more it's going to help the team. 12 points, 13 of those rebounds last night from Marvin Bagley, the center uh, who came over via trade. I've been super impressed by him. What does his future outlook look like in Washington? I think he's got a pretty secure role for the meantime as the starter. Uh, You know, we saw him go up against Daniel Gafford last night. Gafford's now Dallas, and that creates a huge opening in the rotation. And I think the way that he played when he first got here after the trade um, made the Wizards probably feel a little bit more comfortable paving the way for him to start. Um, You know, he's obviously had some opportunities throughout his career in, in Sacramento and Detroit. Um, but he's in a position now where you know he's he's going to be the starter, and there's going to be some security uh, that comes with that. And you know, rebounding is probably his best trait, but he's a very good uh, screen setter and, and rim runner. And basically, what we've seen Daniel Gafford do over the last few years, that's now the role of Marvin Bagley the third, and I think it suits him well. Chase, thank you as always, buddy. Talk soon. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Hit that sounder, Darius. You know what to do. Our guy Earl force you to talk about those very gentlemen. Local 53. Earl, have you been impressed with Dan Quinn's coaching staff as it's being assembled? Uh, except for the offensive line coach. You know, if I'm trying to fix that thing which needs to be fixed, I'm probably myself not dipping into a guy that had the second worst sack total in NFL history last year with the Giants. But okay. I mean, look. Is there anybody else named Johnson they can tap into? Brian Johnson, uh, Bobby Johnson, lost him, Ben Johnson. Maybe Brad Johnson, uh, the former quarterback. Can, that was can my guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, he brings up that, that name brings up a point you guys are talking about. Kirk being a free agent and that that uh, the the odds that are out there. And, you know, this is topic one, right? What are they going to do at number two? Do you know the last chosen quarterback, the last one they picked in the draft, to win a playoff game was was ripping, ninety two the year after the Super Bowl uh, season. The two other wins was uh, it was uh, Brunel in 05. and Brad 05 in ninety nine, yeah, in ninety nine. And Brunel was seven of fifteen for forty one yards in an end in that game. I mean, so this is the the drought for the championships, but they have no history of you know drafting quarterbacks who are successful basically either. So it's. It's a strange dy- dynamic because, you know, they, they won with three different quarterbacks. No one's ever done that other than Joe Gibbs. But those were, you know, Theismann, who was a reject from the, you know, uh, Canadian Football League that Don Shula didn't want in Miami. And then, um, you know, Doug Williams, who was off the scrap heap of the USFL that Joe Gibbs had traded away earlier that season. Then he changed his mind that same day, called Doug in and said, you know, Doug, I've changed my mind. I think we're going to need you at some point this year. And he was right. So, it's a strange history of quarterbacks here because that's basically never been the case that they draft a guy like all these other teams do and and ride them to wins and maybe championships. Earl, you were the CEO of the Out on Riverboat Club for a while, the OORC. <laughs> How did you feel about the Dan Quinn hire? It's fine. I mean, <laughs> okay, that's it. Okay, <laughs> good reaction. This- I talked about it, countdown to kickoff this week. First minute, he, he gives me a be where your feet are, uh, Dan, which was a, a, a classic. That Ronism, was a tough start. You know? I didn't like oh, it. Oh, my God. Uh, but it's fine. I mean, there are no easy answers here. They Look, they lost out on the guy. They, they, they swung and missed twice 
okay, on, on two guys that they had set their sights on, Johnson and then McDonald in Baltimore. That's not good for a, a good look, at least, for this team that wants to change everything, change everything around. and It, it may work out fine. I think he's competent. I think anything is better than Ron, but I, I think it's to be determined whether or not a second time around's a charm for a guy like Dan Quinn, who does have a lot of scar tissue from the last job that he had when you know he had a team uh, with a 25-point lead in a Super Bowl and he walked away without a trophy. I mean, that's, ne- that's never a good thing. So we'll see. I, I like the Kingsbury hire, I think. I, 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 it's not the young 30-something guys, but he – He's had some success, you know, around football, college, and pro. Now, I know there were some issues at the end with Kyler Murray, but he got injured. Here's the thing with Kingsbury. We know, and Albert Breer, you guys talked about it, I know, last week. I did this weekend on Countdown to Kickoff, the Albert Breer quote that Cliff loves, 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 loves Caleb Williams. You know who else Cliff Kingsbury back in the day loved, 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 loved too? Johnny Menzel, and he was telling people. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. We'll see. Earl, thank you, buddy. Got to let the glass break before you say bye to Earl. Appreciate you, dude. Earl Forsey on our Beltway Blitz on Grant and Danny. What would you consider a win this offseason? It kind of officially gets going now today. You got free agency one month away. The draft about a month and a half away. What has to happen this offseason for you to consider the next couple of months going into training camp a win for this new regime We'll get into that next on G&D. Offseason. It started the day after their year ended. Now the Super Bowl's in the rear view. It's time to start focusing on the months ahead and what lies forward for this team. Here's the question we wanted to pose on the MGM National Harbor listener lines at 800-636-1067. What has to happen this offseason for you to feel really good about the first hiatus for this front office? Peters, the staff he either keeps in place or brings in, this coaching staff, this ownership group, or have you already arrived at a destination where you feel really good? What this offseason, will you consider success? The year begins, week one next season, early September. You say, I like what they did because dot, dot, dot. What's that look like? Biggest phase has already happened. My number one item on my checklist, that chiseled jaw, direction setting, empowered general manager from a great organization. All the pedigree. Adam Peters is here. That's the number one thing. Then a thousand feet of crap before we do anything else. So we are already in a good column. Here are the second and third items on my list for me to feel real good. A young rookie drafted franchise quarterback. A chance. And if it doesn't work, let's do it again in two or three years. That's what I want. I want that drafted young quarterback. I want to follow the quarterback. What did he eat for breakfast? What's he doing later? What are his study habits? What kind of cars he drive? What's he doing? I want to know every single thing possible about that guy. And number three, this is what will make me happy. This is Danny Ruye talking. I want all Ron crony yes men boobs gone. I want I want this this weird trial period where Martin Mayhew, who talked to you, told you on the video how great Emmanuel Forbes was, and ooh, what if he's there for us? He probably will be because no one else wants him. 
I want all the guys that stood up there cheesing next to Ron Rivera as part of this stupid cockamamie structure that never should have been to, after the draft, very quietly, nice recommendation, but be on your way. I don't want any of them involved in the organization anymore. That's what I want. Those are the things that would make me feel like this was really successful. Yeah, I'm giddy about Peters as well. And the correct structure was a huge priority for me, Mm -hmm. which they knocked out of the park. Obviously was disappointed by the coaching search. We've talked about that a lot. But you got a good football coach. Mm -hmm. I've never said otherwise. I just, that's not the direction I was hoping they went in, but here we are. Worst things could have happened. Next on the to-do list is quarterback. And so I won't spend a lot of time on this because you just hit it, but you got to draft a QB at number two. So for me to feel really good about this offseason now, you stay at number two, you don't trade up. You stay at number two, you don't trade back. And you take either Drake May or Jaden Daniels, whichever quarterback that Peters, most specifically, and the offensive staff, I guess after that, led by Kingsbury, decide that they want. But I've got one more as well. You you went with three. I'll go with the third mm-hmm. also. For me to feel really good about this offseason and this group, I want an aggressive free agency period. We know that they're going to treat the draft as the primary way of team building and roster creation, which you should do. We know that they're going to treat free agency eventually and ultimately as a supplement to developing internally with going and picking players and then slowly but surely bringing them along and making them the best versions of themselves. That's how you should build a winning team sustainably in the league, no doubt, through the draft. But you have $80 million to spend this offseason, and you got more holes than a spaghetti strainer. You got more holes than Swiss cheese, and you got a chance to spend some cash. I want them to do what... Rivera-era free agency didn't in two different ways. Number one, be aggressive and actually go sign really good football players, which Rivera was never that interested in doing. They weren't shopping in the the baskets where the, the best products were. They were doing their bargain bin stuff for the most part. But the other part is they got to hit at a much higher rate because in the rare occasion where Rivera's group spent money, William Jackson, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. you know, they were wrong. I don't need you to bat a 1,000 if you're Adam Peters, but I need you to be better than they were. I want you to just, this is a crazy idea, Danny. This is going to be nuts what I'm about to say. I want you to sign one player in free agency during this period who plays at a Pro Bowl-type level last year, or this year. Whoa! I, I want a big-name, star-type player. It doesn't matter that he's popular, but like someone who gets credit for being really good because they are, who happens to improve this team immensely at the position they're signed to contribute in. That has not happened in years. It shouldn't be that big of a deal to check that box. It shouldn't be that hard to go get a good linebacker and have them play at a high level. To go sign a defensive end who can get you seven and a half sacks next year. Like, this is not that complicated. We just made it look like splitting the atom the last few years. So for me, drafting a quarterback, too, will make me feel really good about the offseason and aggressively approaching free agency with the right mindset. Not like it's some evil, terrible thing, but rather viewing it as an opportunity to add talent to a team that is devoid of high-end talent. I want a good defensive end in free agency. I want a quality linebacker in free agency. If you're not going to draft a tight end in the top 40 picks, I want you to sign one there. Although, frankly, you know, one way or the other, I I think that's 
a foregone conclusion. There's no way they'll go in the next year with this group. But to me, it starts in a month from now. The, the, the league year kicks off two weeks into March. I want to see them flying around the country, meeting with agents, meeting with people, getting a couple deals done on day one of free agency, not waiting till the second, the third, the fourth wave like Rivera and his group did. How'd that work out? It doesn't work at a very high rate. Now you can find helpful pieces in that period also. That's what the Chiefs should be doing. Also. The 49ers. Yeah, also. You should add, those are your finishing touches. Mm-hmm. Those are your this is really good. What if we put a little panko on the top? This is really good. What if we put these sprinkles on this ice cream? Here's a bit of saffron. That can't That's be what your ice doing. cream. That's what exactly. Your ice cream has to come when the good ice creams are being purchased. I know that everybody's terrified of free agency because that was the the Snyder special, you know, two decades ago. I I understand that there are swings and misses there, like there are everywhere else. And sometimes it's it you know it's overrated, and people sometimes tend to to, to go nuts on it. But I'm telling you, there is a great way to improve your football team. For example, you know a couple of gents who do this afternoon drive program here on 106.7 The Fan who were screaming at you. This is such an easy upgrade. There's a Dalton Schultz tier tight end out there just sitting there in free agency that you could pay punter money to that could come in and help you. Instead, they had a bad tight end position. I love Logan Thomas as much as the next guy. He is an awesome guy. This is not an awesome guy contest. This is can you help an NFL football team on a consistent basis contest. And yet, respectfully, was no to that. That was a missed opportunity. I'm not saying you have to go out and spend top-of-the-line money on every single position. That's impossible. That doesn't work. Easy upgrades were readily available to them, and they were like, no, nah, we're good. I can't have you misdiagnosing who you are and what you need. That's that's a Snyder, Bruce Allen, Vinny Serrato special that has to stop now. Yeah, at least they weren't interested in adding tight ends in the draft either. We're all set, thanks. Do you know how many balls Dalton Kincaid caught this season? In fact, wait for a second. Okay. Darius, play the game show music. I want to know how many balls did rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid, who I had the steamies for last year, catch for the Buffalo Bills? And don't look it up out there in the producer's room because we're coming your way. Show me your hands. Hands in the air. Hands freak. Danny, how many balls? I actually don't know the answer to this. I'm going to say you know the answer. I'm going to say it's not that many because Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say 60 balls. 60, 60 balls. 60. That's a good number, by the way. Yeah. That's that's not they nothing. throw a lot. 60. Okay. Ryan, how many balls did Dalton Kincaid catch for the Buffaloes last year? I'm gonna go with 52 catches. 52. 52 is a good number. By the way, do you get steamed up for the the city plural? The Buffaloes, the Washingtons. I'm into that. I like it better than commanders. All right, we'll start calling them the Washingtons. Uh Darius, the Buffaloes, they had two tight ends, remember. Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. Both DKs. That's interesting. They, they That's must, weird, by the they, way. They don't bet on FanDuel like I do. Uh, Darius, how many balls did Dalton Kincaid catch last season? I, I love the number 60. I'm a little jealous Danny took that. I'm going to go a little bit over. Okay. And I'm going to go with, let's say, 63. Okay. First man eliminated is Ryan. Ryan is out. Second man eliminated is Danny. Oh, no. Darius closest to the pin. He caught 73 balls. That's 73. That's a lot of catches. That's more than I thought. For Dalton Kincaid. Last season. 73? But at least Washington didn't need a tight end. Am I right? Just under five a game for old Dalton Kincaid there with other other options? Good news is, seriously, we shouldn't be like dismissive of the fact that they didn't take a tight end. Because they got Emmanuel Forbes. And luckily they did that. You know yeah, what but, I mean? Yeah, well, watch this. Remember this? People do this to us. They go, yeah, bro, but Cole Turner. That is a thing. Now, I'm raising my hand. I was a Cole Turner mark. 
I still don't know what happened there. I thought he was going to be a weapon, a matchup problem, a red zone threat. And here's my big frustration. Whenever you see Cole Turner, Cole Turner catches a pass that's like using some catch radius, wide outside the body, going up the ladder, makes some athletic play. I have to assume, and I'm completely speculating, mm-hmm. I have to assume he just can't block I think all. he blocks like I do. Because otherwise it makes no sense. Although their evaluation of the tight end position was horrific, so they just could be completely wrong about him. We know they were wrong about the rest of the things they thought about tight end. But man, do I want one badly. I was talking to uh, Uncle Logan Paulson here recently, the other day, and uh, Logie said this tight end class is massively deep to the point where, like, my idea is to take a tight end. I like this kid, Jatavion Sanders from Texas, a lot. And I want to take him in the second round with pick 36 or pick 40 if he's sitting there. He might not be, but that's like that uh, Sam Laporta area, right? Logan's point is he thinks the value at tight end could actually be around after that or even a little later, third, fourth round, where you can still get a good football player. And that in that second round area, maybe you want to take a wide receiver if you want a weapon. Cool with that too, by the way. Because Curtis Samuel's likely leaving. He's a mm-hmm. free agent. You could kick, I want to kick Jahan Dotson into the slot. And I'd like to have Terry run a little more Z than X. Still go get me my 90 catches, 85 catches, whatever. But make him my possession threat. Have someone a little more explosive vertically down the field opposite him to take the lid off who you could draft in the top 40, a burner. So I would be thrilled with that too. If you go quarterback at two though, what's the dream there? Quarterback, tackle, wide receiver in the top 40? Then can you get your starting tight end in the third, fourth round? Depends. Yeah, you have to value free or or you know weigh free agency as well in that regard for certain positions. Like, is your best value a tackle, let's say for the sake of argument, with your second second round pick, or you know replacement level Randy via free agency? Like, where are you better? I don't know. Do you, do you agree with my premise that they're not replacing both tackles this offseason? Leno and Wiley are both under contract. I don't think they have two new tackles. I think they have one new tackle. I, that's what I would bet on. I would like just to go to Costco and just start sweeping linemen into my into my giant cart. But I think you're probably right. I mean, but here, here's what here's the most salient point. This is the thing I screamed about starting today, last year. A couple of days after the Super Bowl, we talked about the Super Bowl. Let's move on to the offseason. I need through a megaphone someone to shout, unless you're come with come to me with an idea about improving the offense, go back and make up another idea. Offense. Make this offense good. It has sucked. Stop shirking it. Stop drafting another defensive player. Stop going rounds one and two defensive backs because you think maybe that'll help you take the ball away that time. Offense. Your offense is horrendous. You just hired a defensive head coach, man. Offense, offense, offense. Anybody that doesn't start the word with, here's how we can, if you start a sentence to me in a meeting with, here's how we can make the offense better. If it doesn't start with that, get out of the meeting. Don't take a bagel. Don't take a crumpet. Don't take a a muffin. Don't take a single pastry from that center pastry stand. Leave and don't come back. Offense. I heard offensive players in your little spiel there. They could do this. They could do this. That's wonderful. All of it. Throw a dart at the board. If he plays offense, I'm happy. I just don't know if that's what they're going to do. I don't either. Dan Quinn wants to play good defense, I would mm. imagine. The defensive staff he's putting together, really damn good. Offensive staff, I've got a, a couple of questions about. Question for you guys. What do the commanders have to do this offseason for you to feel good going into week one and feel like it was a major win? Grant and Danny on the fan.
With the Super Bowl behind us, it's time to get to the bottom of Washington's offseason that looms. What do they have to do for you to feel good about their offseason? 800-636-1067. Wacky bit by Danny, by the way. He hung out the entire commercial break in the studio and then immediately left right as we were coming back. That's the first time he's done that move. Did we? Did he have an emergency, do we think? I don't know what's going on with him. I've called his name out a few times here. here and he is. So casually, by the way. Yeah. I mean, what did he think? We had a 10-minute break? That was a new wrinkle, Danny. You were in studio for the entire five-minute break. I thought we had so much more time. There. As the music was playing, you just left. I just wanted to get more popcorn. There was popcorn earlier. And Where's I, popcorn? Uh, in the um, we call it kitchen type area. Do you realize that as you walked out, the music was starting? I clearly didn't. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done that. That's so funny. Sorry, everybody. No, everything's fine. We're just chopping wood. I here. thought I had so much more time. I, I clearly did not. I'm looking at the clock now. That's much later than I thought. I thought we were in the 444 range. I, like, oh, I got two minutes. Wrong. That's on me. Drafting a quarterback at number two is your answer. 100%. That's what Washington's got to do this offseason for you to feel like it was a win. I agree with that one. I have added, though, an aggressive free agency. I want to spend a lot of that 80 million bucks. I'm talking about a weapon on offense and or addressing the offensive line substantially, bringing in a couple new starters, and not just bodies. Like Andrew Norwell is a football player, and Trey Turner, not the baseball player, is a guard. I want actual quality, legitimate, good starters that cost money, like actually spending and aggressively improving with talent. That's what I want to see this offseason. Let's go to Tony in Virginia Beach on Grant and Danny. How are you, Tony? Good morning. I'm I'm just got work. I'm sorry. Good afternoon. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Good man. Hey, man. Listen, we got to get a quarterback at number two. That that's like number one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten for me. Get a quarterback at number two. Also, Grant, you hit it right on the head, bro. We have to stop this Dollar General bargain basement hunting and free agency. Get me in free agency or war daddy at defense. Somebody who's going to come in there and it's good, just changes the mood in the mode of like of a London Fletcher. I don't care if it's a linebacker or one of these defensive end edge rushers coming out. Give me one of them. And one more thing I would like, I would like to go after Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman, the wide receiver, because I love him because he's a big body wide receiver. And that's one thing we don't have. That's what I'm looking for in this off season. Had an unbelievable year in Indy this year. I'm a big Michael Pittman guy. I would love that. But you're speaking my language. I don't view free agency as a negative like so many people do. Go out and get better. Get good football players. That's what wins games. When you get through the top guys that are going to get tagged or you know stay where they are, right? T. Higgins or Josh Allen, the edge from the Jaguars, or Chris Jones, the D-tackle from the Chiefs. Like Those are the best free agents, right? When you dabble into then like Jalen Johnson, the corner from the Bears, if he's available, try to break the bank and get him. Legereus Sneed of the Chiefs. I don't think he's going anywhere. But Pittman at wide receiver. Daniel Hunter, the pass rusher for the Vikings. Uh, you should be in on the best available players in free agency. You should be talking to Bryce Huff of the Jets, their edge rusher. DJ Reader, the, the defensive lineman for the Bengals, if you, depending on what kind of front you're going to run. Um, are you paying Cam Curl or not? If you don't, then safety probably is a priority. Are you paying Curtis Samuel or not? If not, you absolutely should be looking at a wide receiver. And if you are, then T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, um, Calvin Ridley, 
Gabriel Davis, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., Tyler Boyd. One of those guys should be getting a phone call at some point. Let's go to Mo in Largo. What's up, Mo? Hey, Mo. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Hey, buddy. Needless to say, yes, we need a quarterback at number two. But I'll feel a lot more confident about our progression if we acquire a legitimate left tackle, whether it's free agency or in the draft. But we need to solidify at least one side of the line. I believe that'll improve scheming and it'll at least give you something that you can rest your hat on and say, you know what, if we're going to do something, or it'll, it'll actually, it will help you establish an identity. So, yes, I think we need a left tackle because it will influence the passing game and the running game. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. Now, I don't know how deep the free agency class is going to be at left tackle. I mean, I think Donovan Smith of the, of the Chiefs is a free agent. It wasn't as if, you know, he's a, a superstar. I don't think. I mean, it's pretty lean there, it's right? Not very, I mean, watching Chase Young beat him a couple times, the, the year he had, I thought tackle was a weakness for the Chiefs. Now, a lot of people will say, they just won the Super Bowl. He's probably fine. Andrew Wiley was the starting tackle in the Super Bowl a year earlier, and you used that logic on me last time when I tried to say, this is not what you think it is. Uh, he had nine sacks given up two seasons ago. I think the same number or more this past year. So no thank you on that. But you're right. I mean, tackle's not that deep necessarily of a position. And then the guys that are available, like Tyron Smith from the Cowboys, who's Trent Williams' age, approaching now his upper 30s, there's some baggage there. It's why I'm not convinced they have a new left tackle. I think it's possible maybe you could kick Wiley inside and, and go get a right tackle for a little bit cheaper, and maybe that's a more economical way to improve the line. But I want at least two new starters on that line. And we haven't talked about center very much. I think center is the position you need to target probably more than anything else. Yeah, if I, if I, I could I, quote Ron Rivera, more, more so, so than anything else, okay, than anything else. Yeah, I, I'd like three new starters at a minimum, preferably four, but I, I think it may end up being two. To kind of your point, maybe center and right tackle, because you feel like Cosme's good now at right guard. Left guard's kind of in flux. I mean, they tried internal options, and I don't know how successful any of those guys were. So, yeah, but they may try to run that back and get away with it at, at left guard. But I think center and right tackle are are probably their shopping priorities. I mean, four is just not realistic. I know. Like, to say, I'd like that, sure, I, I would like that, too. I, I would like to, you know, eat brownies and cookies for dinner every night. I don't get to do that, right? So, yes, it would be nice if they just replaced their entire offensive line other than right guard Sam Cosme, who played at a high level. What's it going to take for you to feel good? 800-636-1067. We'll continue working through the phones. Also, we could drill down on the offensive line next. Just how big of a priority do you think it should be? Like, after quarterback, is that the number one item on your personnel hit list would be to upgrade the line? Because people sleep. Their defense was god-awful last year. And as the year went on, particularly after trading Montez Sweat and Chase Young, their defensive ends, well below average, their pass rush completely fell off. Like They've got a lot of work to do on defense just to get back to being league average. Good news is the staff. I think is going to be much better this time around. But how much will that help versus going and getting some real personnel? I think that's something we needed to break down. G&D on the fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.